This year, we're featuring some of our most valuable episodes, bringing back popular and helpful topics for all people with type 1 diabetes, but also for those who are newly diagnosed. Please enjoy this MVP episode. Today, we're talking about carbohydrates, so-called good versus bad carbs, and the kind of carbs type 1 diabetics should include in their protocols if they do choose to eat carbs. But first, we have the win, the fail, and the hack of the week, and I'm up for the win. I actually recorded a podcast episode earlier this week with another type 1 diabetic who works for Tandem. It's not for this podcast. We were actually both guests on the Coach Malin podcast. It's a relatively new podcast, but we'll put links to it in the show notes when this episode comes out, whenever if the episode does come out. We talked about our diabetes stories, how we connect with and help the type 1 community. And we also shared the message that we want all type 1s to hold on to. And mine was basically... Diabetes does not make you less of a human, which is kind of a powerful message for some people to hear. Jesse, what is your fail? So my fail this week is that I really haven't taken time for myself or as much time for myself as I've been really needing. So I'm feeling pretty tired and I just need to remember to put five minutes aside for self-care and like just reflecting on how I'm doing every now and then throughout the day. Also, making sure I'm not being as hard on myself as I usually am, just because like the more pressure you put on yourself, sometimes the less well you do when you like have to do something. So I'm going to try hard working on that this next week. And if I need to say no to certain things and prioritize myself over other activities, then that's what I'm going to be doing. And the hack this week is, well, when you're in doubt, shop the perimeter of the grocery store. The freshest and healthiest foods live on the perimeter while the aisles are filled with processed and packaged foods that will probably wreak havoc with your blood sugars. An exception, at least the the exceptions that, that readily jump to mind are the spices and the frozen vegetables. But like most everything else is probably going to have an ingredient in it that you don't actually want to eat. Now going on to talk about carbs and like I just mentioned, like the, the inside of the grocery store, all the aisles will be full of the things that we're pretty much going to talk about today. So we've talked a lot about carbs, low carb, processed carbs, and even zero carb on this podcast. But we haven't really taken the time to talk about what many people call quote unquote good carbs versus quote unquote bad carbs, as if labeling a carbohydrate makes it better or worse for you. Now, we talked about this in our episode last week with Dr. Ken Berry, that all carbohydrates turn into sugar in the body. But the impact of those carbs, how fast they break down, and the concentration of carbs in certain foods does make a difference. We all know the struggle of bolusing for pizza, going low because the fat blocks the carbs from being absorbed right away, and then going sky high like three hours later despite having bolused for it. That's a combo platter of fat making the high-carb dough, which is made with processed concentrated carbohydrates, flour, and sugar, makes that whole experience just so much worse. So what exactly are carbohydrates? To start, we're going to start off like with what carbs actually are and kind of how actual nutritional sciences work inside your body. So carbohydrates are one of the three macronutrients, the other two being proteins and fats. Of the three, carbohydrate is the only non-essential macronutrient, (laughs) kind of a tongue twister to say sometimes. That just means that our bodies don't require a specific micronutrients like vitamins, minerals that only exist in carbohydrate foods. 
So carbs are molecules with carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen atoms, which usually with twice as much hydrogen than oxygen. Our digestive systems convert carbohydrates into glucose, which in turn is sugar. So, yeah. Now, what are non-processed, aka the so-called good carbohydrates? Usually people define good carbohydrates as unrefined, unprocessed, whole foods with their nutrients intact and minimally altered. If you can find it in nature, it's probably an unprocessed carbohydrate. Unfortunately, growing methods over the years have changed the structure of many of what we call good carbs from their original ancient states to contain a lot more sugar than they would have during those early agricultural days. And bananas are a really good example. We'll actually post a picture in the show notes of an ancient banana versus the modern banana and what the carb difference is because it's really weird. Like the banana from the ancient past does not look anything like the banana from today. Like the flesh that you can eat is so much smaller and the taste would have been a lot less sweet. So we've definitely farmed our food to taste better. And unfortunately, the tasting better part introduces glucose to the system. So even if it's grown today, it may not be a good carb because of the high sugar content and all those things. So what are the processed or the bad carbohydrates? Quote unquote, bad carbs would be the processed refined carbs often in concentrated forms like flour or sugar. Concentrated carbohydrates overload the body's dopamine receptors and create false spikes of pleasure, along with really huge spikes in the blood sugar, which we all know pretty well. Processing carbohydrates, and and I don't mean like your body processing them, I mean like the actual industrial processing of carbohydrates. That means that they get closer and closer to what's called simple carbs. And that just means that the molecular structure isn't as hard to break down in the body. We use simple carbs as our low snacks, like pure sugar, glucose tabs, despite how disgusting they might taste, Smarties, fruit snacks. They're simple for the body to use immediately. Refined carbs don't have the fiber that's capable of slowing down the digestive process and therefore slowing the rate of blood sugar rising after you eat a fiber-rich carb. Like Practically everything, though, your mileage may vary, and you might react to fiber-rich carbs just as much as you react to refined carbs. This is why I can't have low-carb tortillas that are made with a ton of fiber. I react just like I would for a high-carb tortilla with less fiber, and it's it's kind of dumb. <laughs> we figured that out after like experimenting with like low-carb tortillas and finding out that even if I had a low-carb tortilla, I still shot right up. It was not fun. So now I just avoid any low-carb products that are made with a lot of fiber in them. A good rule of thumb is if it's white, it's refined. That means white bread, white rice, white pasta, pastries, anything that's really made with the flour and sugar. So those white things, that's refined carbs. It's also important to note that fruit juices and regular sodas, those are processed carbs. In most cases, regular sodas are nothing but sugar. Like seriously, go look up the nutrition facts for like a can of Coke. It's got 39 grams of sugar. That's like a quarter cup of sugar in a single can of Coke. And that's that's it. There's there's no protein. There's no fat. There's nothing else. There's just the sugar and whatever, you know, the watery like liquid thing that they put the sugar and all those weird ingredients into. Sorry, I don't like soda. <laughs> I don't like seeing what's in soda. I just avoid it. But like knowing that there's that much sugar is puts you off. That's very valid. I generally keep the rule of thumb of like 
if you can't say all the ingredients, you probably shouldn't be eating it in the first place. Unless that, of course, is like your fruit snacks and stuff like that to prevent you from going like low or whatever, you know. So why are non-processed carbohydrates better? So unprocessed carbs are more likely to have fiber that slows down the di- down digestion. If you're using the glycemic index as your guide, and for reference, you can go back and listen to episode 37, where we talk about the glycemic index, carbs with a lower GI should have a higher fiber content. So plant-based carbohydrates are typically better because they're complex carbs instead of the simple, which again, just to reiterate, complex carbs are slow reacting. Simple carbs are fast reacting. So that's just a good way of looking at that sometimes. But just like with the banana example, there are exceptions, specifically when you think about your starches. And what are starches? Well, starches are a type of carbohydrate that is more complex than simple glucose. Starch is the most common carbohydrate in human diets, and it does not always get stripped out during the refining process. Think of breads, pastas, pastries, things made with flour, and um, actually most root vegetables, like vegetables that grow underground, those are high in starch. So starchy versus non-starchy vegetables. The easiest way to identify if a vegetable is starchy or not is depending on where it grew. So if it grew underground, it is more likely to be a starchy vegetable. For example, potatoes, sweet potatoes, yams, carrots, beets. However, that doesn't mean that any vegetable grown above the ground isn't starchy. Winter squash, corn, green peas, pumpkins, and plantains all grow above the ground but are really high in starches. So non-starchy vegetables include things like cauliflower, broccoli, bell peppers, zucchini, leafy greens, green beans, sprouts, celery, cucumbers, eggplants, onions, snow peas, tomatoes, and so many more. Basically, if it's kind of more water-based, then you're generally going to think, oh, non-starchy. But if it's like kind of a denser vegetable, Kind of maybe consider if you're, it's starchy or not. So we'll provide a list in the show notes of more foods for each category. The more you learn which are and which aren't, the easier to identify whether a vegetable is starchy or not. And thus, you can also kind of like figure out what the carb level is going to be too for a specific vegetable. So why do starchy vegetables raise my blood sugar? It's for the same reason sugar raises your blood sugar. It just might happen a little bit slower depending on the, the form that the starchy vegetable is in. Like all carbs, including the complex carbs that are starches, break down into sugar. You might still have a slight rise in your blood sugar from non-starchy vegetables, but it won't be as dramatic as if you eat like mashed potatoes instead of a bell pepper. And whenever I think of people like eating potato chips and calling them their like vegetable for the day, <laughs> like, sure. Kind of. It's made from potato, but it is so processed that you don't even get any of the benefits that you would have if you just stuck with eating a potato. (laughs) Now, there's also something called resistant starch. And that's this kind of weird subcategory of starches, which aren't really supposed to raise blood sugar as much as regular starchy vegetables, but your experience might be different from other people. I'm still not very clear on like how this is supposed to work because 
it doesn't work for me. <laughs> so I found this quote from Johns Hopkins, and this is how they define resistant starches. Resistant starch is a carbohydrate that resists digestion in the small intestine and then ferments in the large intestine. As the fibers ferment, they act as a prebiotic and feed the good bacteria in the gut. When starches are digested, they typically break down into glucose. Because resistant starch is not digested in the small intestine, it doesn't raise glucose. That's what John John Hopkins says. They continue to say that gut health is improved as fermentation in the large intestine makes more good bacteria and less bad bacteria in the gut. Healthy gut bacteria can improve glycemic control. Other benefits of resistant starch include increased feeling of fullness, treatment and prevention of constipation, decrease in cholesterol, and lower risk of colon cancer. Resistant starch is fermented slowly, so it causes less gas than other fibers. And, you know, less gas is always fun. So that's the end of the Johns Hopkins quote. But, like, when I think of resistant starches, what usually comes up is, like, chickpeas or jicama or, like, legumes. Like, kind of the the weird kind of non-traditional things that you think about when you think about starches. But I would be really careful about taking anything at face value, including this and including this entire episode. Do your own research. I've had resistant starch before in my life quite often. And every single time it raises my blood sugar. This might be different for people with type 2 diabetes, or maybe it's not as noticeable in people with type 2 or even people without diabetes. But without a working pancreas, any carbohydrate will result in raised blood sugars, requiring insulin to bring it down. Okay, so this is a question that always gets asked. What about the fruits? Fruits are really high in sugar. As mentioned earlier, agricultural practices over the past couple of centuries have altered fruits to taste better, meaning they have more sugars in them in their so-called natural states. We can blame GMOs for this, by the way. I strongly believe this. Anyways, so just because a fruit is natural doesn't mean that the carbs in the fruit are good. They behave just like processed carbs because of how carbo, how concentrated they are. Excuse me. Just take a look at the nutritional facts of a banana, grapefruits, peaches, or whatever your favorite fruit is. Bananas today have almost 23 grams of carbs for a small one. Over half of those come straight from sugar. So one large grapefruit has nearly 27 grams of carbs and 23 of that is sugar. A medium peach, 15 carbs, and 13 of those from sugar alone. Berries are better, but you have to moderate your intake to avoid getting big spikes. Although you will get spikes no matter what or how many berries you eat, just because they are a very concentrated sugar. A good way to think about this too is if you look at fruit juices or like non, they say natural fruit juices, you can see how concentrated those sugars are in those juices. So like pineapple juice, cranberry juice, pomegranate juice, they're all really high in sugars, although they may not have added sugars in them. So using the website like calorieking.com to look up nutritional information in food that you eat is really important and you should do more often, honestly. I should do it more often. So how much of it is sugar and you didn't even realize it. So I was one of those people who thought grapefruits was healthy. And back when I um, lived in Eastern Washington for my first full-time job, I would get that big, like it was a big plastic container of like pre-sliced grapefruit. 
it was like all of just like the grapefruit insides, like easily. And, you know, just scoop a bunch of them out and eat them. And then I was surprised why my blood sugar kept going up. Because <laughs> I would bowl this for it, but it was so fast with the sugar that like my insulin couldn't even catch it. That's just one example of like, there's so much more sugar in fruits than we tend to think about. And we kind of need to think about how much sugar is in these things. So you might be wondering, how do you know which carbohydrates to have versus avoid? Now, you probably figured this out already, but we can't rely on the source of the carbohydrate to tell us if it's good or bad. What we have to do is experiment. This is something that we've talked about before is experimentation. It's like one of my, my core values. Trying different foods and seeing how they impact your blood sugars is how you need to go through this. Evaluate how you feel when you eat it. Try an elimination diet to reset your taste buds. Like give your body a break from all of the concentrated refined carbs, even if they've been like the quote unquote good ones this whole time. I challenge you guys like do, do like two weeks, cut out all the things that may, might not be good carbs for you just to try and see how you feel. You might feel withdrawal, but once you get through the withdrawal, you might find out you feel way better not having it. Our question for you guys this week is what kind of carbohydrates do you eat the most of? What do you think of the idea of good carbohydrates versus bad carbohydrates? Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.